those of you who don't know me, I am the director of the Gerhold Center for Christian Counseling. I know that you probably have all received um, some messages letting us know that, letting you know that we are working on our strategic plan. So thank you all for turn, who, thank you all for those of you who turned in your surveys. We very much appreciate it. Oh, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> and we will keep you posted on our strategic planning process. So again, it's always an honor to stand before you. So thank you, Pastor Joseph and Pastor Paul, for letting me share in your pulpit. I know that I've been at some churches. If it's not the normal pastors, some people get up and leave or tune you out. So thank you for not tuning me out or getting up and leaving. <laughs> but without further ado, let me get to the word. The title of this sermon for today is The Journey. The Journey. As a, as a part of my job as a counselor, I am to journey with people and listen to the stories of their life's journey. I think God was preparing me for this field even before I knew I was going into this profession. He probably thought it went well with my personality. I am an ambivert, yes I am, meaning I'm both an extrovert and an introvert. I think I may lean more as an introvert so that's why he probably thought it was uh, apropos for me to uh, come into this profession. But I have always been curious about people's journey and how they got to where they are. In listening to their stories, you may hear their struggles. In listening, you may hear their tragedies. In listening, you may hear their triumphs. In listening, you may hear their hopes and what is yet to come. You can learn a lot about a person from their journey. In our text today, the psalmist is on a journey. The psalmist was on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, and this was a song that they sang. We don't know who the psalmist is, but if you're anything like me, I often sing songs where I have no clue who the artist is. I may know the words to the song and sing along because the words resonate with me. I may find out who the artist is later, but even though we may not know who the psalmist is, this psalm can still speak to us. This song reflects on the faithfulness of God to his people and being an ever-present help throughout the twists and turns of life. Verse one says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where will my help come from? Truth be told, you may have that same question today. Acknowledging that you have some concerns or fears or need help is not a sign of weakness as a Christian. It means that you are human. So don't condemn yourself or pass judgment against others when this happens. Some of the greatest prophets in this good book revealed to us their humanity from Moses to, to Gideon to the greatest prophet of them all, Jesus. Jesus prayed to the point where his sweat became like droplets of blood falling down on the ground the night that he was betrayed. The fears, the frustration, and faith were all revealed to us through these prophets. I am so glad that we have a real and relatable God who has given us scriptures that we can read and grab a hold to 
throughout our journey. The person in verse one is asking for help. Again, there's nothing wrong with saying that you need help. I think acknowledging that you need help can save a lot of time and trouble. Just a few weeks ago, one of my best friends came into town for her family reunion. Before she headed to her family's picnic, we all decided to gather at my sister's house for lunch. I bought some good old soul food because it's a celebration. So what's a celebration without food, right? Now, this was her family's first time visiting Michigan. They're from Chicago, like I'm from the Chicago area. And I said, hey, let me show you what Michigan has to offer. So we had some collard greens, we had some mac and cheese, we had some yams, we had some chicken. You get my drift right, some good food. <laughs> now I'm getting hungry, so let me stop talking about food. The spread was laid across the kitchen. Now the drinks were lined up on the countertop. Now my nephew partook in that feast. That boy know he can eat. Now he's grown taller and can now see over the counter. But to lift the liters of drinks and pour might be a little too difficult for him. So he saw his Uncle Robert. He looked up and saw his Uncle Robert and asked Uncle Robert if he could pour him something to drink. I'm thinking about the mind of a seven-year-old. Sometimes you have no clue on why they do what they do. But my nephew is that type of kiddo that will just ask for help when he needs it. And he will find a person to help him. Just like my nephew looked up to see who could help, the psalmist looked up to the hills on their journey and found their help. It was God. You might ask, well, where was the psalmist going? Well, the psalmist was on their way to celebrate one of the holy festivals. Jewish people from all around were expected to travel to Jerusalem to celebrate festivals. It was a caravan of people, so the psalmist was not on their journey alone. Now, as a counselor, we often find out who is a part of the client support system. Now, as a counselor, we're not the end-all, be-all for the client. We're just one person that's a part of their support system. God, who created heaven and earth in verse 2, did not want us to do life alone. He cre created us for one another. We see this in the creation story in Genesis. We were created to be in community. And this can be seen all throughout scriptures. I know some people need receipts, so let me give you an example. In Exodus 18, Moses worked from sunup to sundown, litigating disputes for the Israelites. Moses' father-in-law saw what he was doing and told him that he was going to experience burnout and that this job cannot be done alone. Moses' father-in-law was dropping wisdom. Moses listened to the wisdom and he delegated the responsibilities to the Israelites in the community so he didn't have to experience burnout. Studies have shown that people that have support systems, it helps to reduce their risk, reduce physical health problems, improve emotional well-being, improve life satisfaction, self-esteem, and resiliency. 
Just like Moses' support system, your support system are people that you can count on. They're in your corner. They want what's best for you, and they help to provide stability for you. Well, maybe you feel alone on your journey right now. Maybe you feel hurt or rejected by those who you thought were in your corner. Or maybe you are alone. Again, God did not mean for us to do life alone. I believe that God has a support system that is waiting for you. There may be some old friends or family members that are there for you, but you may not have realized it just yet. These people are waiting for you to get reacquainted with them. Or maybe there are some First Press church members or maybe some of your coworkers or classmates that are waiting for you. Or maybe a club or a ministry is waiting for you to join it. The journey for the psalmist in this passage may not have been short. The psalmist, could have been, the psalmist could have been going to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, which is a celebration of the Israelites' escape from Egypt, or the giving of the Torah and the first fruits, or God sheltering the Israelites in the, in the wilderness. All of these festivals, it could have been one of them. These, fe these festivals could last for several days or even weeks, and including travel to and from the festival could take weeks. As I studied the passage, I thought, well, maybe today we can incorporate some of these religious festivals, depending upon which tradition you came from. I know some people say, if you know it, say it with me, ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party don't stop. Hey, anybody know that one? <laughs> So, Pastor Joseph and Pastor Paul, what do we say about adding on some of these celebrations to the staff for the staff to go out, be out for several weeks? How about that? No? All right. <laughs> but I know even if the journey is short or if it's long, God will help you along the way. And I, and I dare to say that God will work through your support system to journey with you. Now, verse 3 tells us that he will not let your foot be moved, and he who keeps you will not slumber. Now, one scholar suggests God not allowing your foot to be moved is an expression that represents the trouble of one's helplessness. I remember when I was in Rwanda interning for an organization that helped children and families that had been impacted by AIDS. I was one of the interns that would preach, that would do home visitations, and I would just play with the children and their families. When I got there, I didn't realize how mountainous the country was. Now, one afternoon, me and two of my coworkers were scheduled to visit a family at their home. Now, we started on the journey from our office and began walking up a hill. Now, I don't know if this was a shortcut to the family's house, but I remember at one point we were walking on a cliff. One coworker was in front of me, one coworker was in back of me. Although they were with me, I still feared that I might fall, might injure myself, or worse, might die. You see, I had never made that journey before, and they seemed to be unbothered by that journey. I remember praying to God, 
protect me and not let my foot be moved. Now, although my coworkers were with me, my coworkers could not walk for me, but it was only by the grace of God that he did not let my foot be moved. I got to the family's house safely, and we made our descent back, and I was less fearful. I felt more stable. I felt that I could navigate the terrain better because God helped me get to my destination safely. God will help you in your walk. God will help guide your steps. The same God that does not sleep. Now, aren't you get glad that we have a God that does not sleep on his job? Now, you see that is what differentiated our God from the other gods back then. These other gods needed sleep, but our God is almighty, self-sufficient, and doesn't need anything. This is the same God that will stay awake and will keep us on our journey. The psalmist repeats multiple times in this passage that God keeps Israel. Now, it sounds like the psalmist really wants to drive this point home, right? I can't help but to think that the psalmist may be holding on to the promises that God gave to his ancestors. The stories that have been passed down from generation to generation. The stories and promises of the God of Abraham, the God of Abraham Isaac, and Jacob. Now, as I studied this sermon, I did a word search on keep, since it kept repeating itself in the scripture, which led me to Jacob's story in Genesis 27 and 28. In this passage, we find that Jacob had to flee his home because he tricked his father into giving him his brother's inheritance. His brother Esau then plotted to kill Jacob, and his mother helped him to escape to his uncle's home. Now, on the journey to his uncle's home, God spoke to Jacob in a dream one night and told him that I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go. I will not leave you. Even though he lied to get his inheritance, God said that he was with him. He believed in the promises of God. He believed that God would keep him on his journey. In Genesis 28, 20, he made a vow and said that if this God would be with me and keep me, if this God would give me food to eat and clothing to wear so that one day I can return home to my father's home in peace, this would be the God that I would follow. This God would be my God. And God was faithful to his promise. God kept him along the journey and allowed him to reconcile with his brother. God gave him provisions along the way. The psalmist knew how God kept Jacob on his journey and knows that God can do it for them. Maybe that's a word for some of you today. You have seen what God has done for some of your family members and know that God can do the same for you. Now, in listening to stories, I have listened to stories of my family members. I have listened to the stories of my parents and heard stories of what it was like for them to grow up in the South during the Jim Crow era. My father lived in Mississippi and he grew up in poverty. He talked about how he had holes in his shoes 
and that he had to put steel plates on his toe and heel to cover up the holes. He said that there were no buses for children of color, and they had to walk three miles to school. So from ages six to 13, he had to walk three miles with my aunts and uncles to school. But he said that he was scared to walk to school. My father said as they walked down the road that cars would pull up behind them and stop. And my aunts and uncles would go running down the hill in attempts to get to safety. They weren't oblivious to what could happen to them because at the age of four, he attended the funeral of an uncle who was lynched and he laid unrecognizable. Now the psalmist was not immune to dangers either. The Jews were taking this journey on unkept roads. Speaking of unkept roads, I know that you all are happy that Saginaw is open and has been fixed now. <laughs> but not only did they travel on the unkept roads, they were exposed to the sun. They were under an oppressive government. The travel conditions were not safe for them. However, this was not always the case for them. Once upon a time, these roads were well kept, the trees covered them as they walked and gave them shade, and they were protected by a government that was committed to God. But then the Israelites were disobedient to God, and King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon destroyed both Jerusalem and their temple. The Israelites were then forced to move from their homes and live in a foreign land. They lived in exile for 70 years. The psalmist in this passage is taking a journey in the post-exilic era. And I wonder if this psalmist lived throughout these eras, pre-exile, during the destruction of their city and temple, and now in a post-exilic era where they were able to return to Jerusalem. Although these conditions in which they were traveling were not the same, the God who has been with them the entire time is the same God. The same God who created heaven and earth. The same God who does not sleep. The same God who will provide for you. The same God who will keep you from evil. The same God who was with the psalmist is the same God who is with you now. The same God who will be with you for your entire life journey. Verse 8 lets us, lets us know that for forevermore. Like I said before, the psalmist must really want us to remember that God will keep us because the words are repeated. There is a whole psychology on memory. Interference theory says, forgetting is a result of different memories interfering with one another. In attempts to eliminate interference, experts suggest overlearning important information. You are to rehearse the material over and over again until it's reproduced perfectly with no errors. And I think that's appropriate for this scripture because it's a song. And it's a song that was sung on a pilgrimage. You see, songs strengthen memory and attention. May you commit this song to memory. May this be the anthem of your life. May this song be on repeat for you. May you add it to your playlist. 
May you teach this song to your family and to others. May this be your heart song. The Lord is your helper, your protector, your keeper from this time and forevermore. Amen. Thanks for listening this week. The First Presbyterian Church of Flint is an historic downtown congregation proudly part of the Presbyterian Church USA, the largest Presbyterian denomination in the United States. You can learn more about us at fpcf.org. You can check out our weekly live stream broadcasts on our channel on YouTube. But better yet, you can stop by any Sunday at 10.30 a.m. to worship with us. We would love to welcome you and your family to worship. Have a great week.